It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready, folks? Because he's back. The man who makes sense of it all in the world of sport. The man who never refers to himself in the third person. The man who only records when it's on the record. It is time for the first time in 2023 to hit that jingle, Alex, that simply says... He's the chief sports writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. It's Wednesdays with Andrew Webster. It's that straightforward. Webby, welcome back. Bang, bang. Hey? Great to be back. Have you ever referred to yourself in the third person? Absolutely not. Mm. You've got a, you've you've got the chance oh, to do it this season because ma- there's an Andrew Webster in the game now at the highest level in coaching. I know. So you could drop it. Do you know when he was interim coach at the West Tigers, I actually did a pretend uh, Q&A between me and Andrew Webster. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So effectively you have. And, and do you think, uh, let's just say it confused a lot of readers. Mm, I bet it did. So essentially you have referred yourself to yourself in the third person. In, in print. Yes, in print. No, but I'm very conscious about referring to myself in the third person because yeah. a lot of people do it. I see Latrell Mitchell even did it today. Correct. Um, so I'm no longer on Mondays. No. I've been shown, so I was on Wednesdays. Yes. I got moved to Mondays. Yes. And now I've been... Brushed to no. Wednesdays again. No, no, no. You're back at your spiritual home. No, I've been brushed because who, who you got on Mondays? Now? That John's bloke, Matty yeah. Johns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's he ever done? What's he, done? What's he know? <laughs> it's the roundup with Matt and Matty on a Monday morning. Matt and Matty. Who's which? Which Matt comes first? That's what you got to guess. Where well, one Matt is never well, enough. I've, well, a prima donna like yourself would insist it was you, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I we were we were freestyling this on air the other day, and I said, you know, oh, right. it's Matt and Matt, or is it the two Matts? Eminem. Is it Eminem? Which somebody said, you're not the first. Oh, sorry. And then I said, you know, Whitey and Johns, and Johns of course goes, or Johns and White. I said, well, you know, just take your place there, buddy. So the way that it panned out, Webby, is that Wednesday is your spiritual home on SCN. <laughs> <You keep saying. laughs> Wednesday is not the SCG. Well, hang on. <laughs> It is, is now. It is now. So, too. so yes, we we played around a little bit last year with you on different spots, but this is this is your <laughs> you home. Played around with me in different spots. <laughs> this is not your the first baby <laughs> home. How's your off season been? Have you had one? I had seven weeks off. It's a good stint. I didn't yeah. realise I had that much holiday pay, a holiday owing. So I took seven weeks and I slaved away on this Wayne Bennett book that I've been working on for the last year and a half. Yeah, so. and where's it at? Uh, it's allegedly going to be written in the next couple of months. So, mm. yeah, it's it's getting there, but it's a fascinating project. Yeah, it, it, and he's been fascinating to work with uh, through it. It's just, it's the myth of a the the myth and the magic of a figure like Wayne, who's been around for so long, and there's like so many different narratives that he's spun and others have spun around him, and I'm yeah. just trying to get to the bottom of it, but. It's been quite amazing just how open he has been and just how open others have been about him and given an insight into uh, into the bloke that you that you wouldn't have seen before. Like he's written three books in the past, but mm. they're all in his words. But I think this is a really true indication of, of, of who he is and how he manipulates. And the, the, the takeaway out of the whole thing, Matty, for me, is that Wayne Bennett, unlike say a Warren Ryan or a Brian Smith or even a Craig Bellamy or a modern or a Bob Fulton, even they, he his way of coaching is through, for want of a better term, man management, 
And when you get your players so close to you, like they're almost members of your family, that's a pretty powerful way to win football matches. Mm. The problem is the reality of professional sport is that you're going to have to get let them go. They either get too old, they lose their skills, the salary cap squeezes them out. And as a consequence of that, the player gets very disgruntled because they feel like they've been conned in many respects. Yeah. Well, so, families fall out, don't exactly, they? Exactly, exactly. So it's been a really interesting process through to, to, learn, to learn all that sort of stuff. Do you have any preconceived notion of what you want the book to be? And does it... If if you do, do you do you spear off into different directions and just go there? It does a little bit. It depends on who agrees to talk to you. Like I've spoken yeah. to members of his family who have been really open and honest. Um, but I, I like to I like to write these things chronologically. I think you confuse a reader if you don't. Um, but uh, there are de- definite themes that are coming up throughout the the process. Yeah. And I've talked to Wayne for the last year and a half, and believe me, I don't think the bloke can wait to start coaching in the NRL again. Right. I think that year last year really affected him. How old's Wayne now? 73. He turned 73 on the 1st of January. Do you reckon you could have done this book and spoken to Wayne at length five years ago about the issues that obviously you're covering? Well, with I was, I'm, the book isn't authorised. Look, I, I was doing the book whether Wayne, Wayne wanted to talk or not. Um, but he agreed to, to talk from the very – he was the first person I told about it because I didn't want him to hear from – other people, but he's been very, very accommodating. And I th- he said to me, he's enjoyed the process. So it's been, it's been fun. Mm. We've had lots of long fireside chats over the phone at 6am on a Sunday morning. He likes mm. to, he's an early riser. So I'm, uh, yeah, as I am. So unless I'm getting home at 6am, <laughs> which that hasn't happened for <laughs> Take many. Take a call on the way that in. That hasn't happened for many, many no. days. Uh, I mean, years. There's a couple of things that we need to get to the bottom of. One, the type of fabric softener that you use and is it working? <laughs> and I'll explain to my listeners that. And two, why aren't you heading to Super Bowl 57? Just quickly on the second part. Because I was told by the NFL I had accreditation to the Super Bowl. Yes. Unfortunately, after I got approval to go to the Super Bowl from my superiors, the accreditation was only for the week, not the game. Oh. So that would have been fun. Yeah. Watching it at a pub, at a bar in uh, in uh, Phoenix. I would have taken it. Well, we can't really go and interview Jordan Malata after. Still would have taken it. Mate, well, I- you know what? I would have taken it. I don't think my joint – I don't think Fairfax <laughs> – Sorry, nine newspapers would have been happy for me to go over there and watch it in a bar. Well, I could probably do the same thing here. 2006. Actually, I will do the same thing here. <laughs> 2006 Soccer World Cup. I covered the entire thing for Channel 7 without the accreditation to go and watch any of the games. Everything was done outside. In fact, one of the match reports I did in watching in Munich, I was watching the local TV station, so no English commentary on it. Mm. I was sitting in a room with a computer going through BBC's ball-by-ball coverage or play-by-play coverage, I should say, and trying to do a match report for the Sydney News, which I could have done back here. Mm. But it was great fun. Now, the talking points on the line with Webby today, the standoff between the game and the players gets ugly with allegations that a league executive instructed another league executive to secretly record a meeting between the players and CEO Andrew Abdo. So what happened here and what happens next? Is a player strike still a possibility? Now, Sean Lane has added fuel to that fire by saying, I guess if it does get to that point, we will be willing to do whatever's necessary. That's the first time I've heard that from a player in this situation. We'll cover the fallout from the Latrell Mitchell-Jack White incident. The status of the All-Stars match, has it lost its shine 
The Mitchell Moses guessing game continues. Eels, Tigers, maybe still Bulldogs, or is there a left field option that we haven't thought about? Plus, Jordan Mylata's story with the Eagles and, of course, Super Bowl 57. You want to buy into any of those? Do so right now. 0457 736 736 is the text line or 1300 01 1170 is the open line. So, Webby, let's start at the top there with these allegations of a secret recording. Can you tell us the first part, what we know, what happened, and then let's talk about what may happen next? Drama. Big? Big drama with a capital D. So uh, it was broken actually by uh, the Herald yesterday or actually my age colleague, John Pyrrhic, which makes it a curious mm, out uh, of event in itself, itself that it, the story was leaked to a Melbourne reporter who broke the story late after late late yesterday afternoon that uh, that uh, NRL executive an NRL executive had uh, recorded uh, the very confidential meeting between Andrew Abdo and players last Friday. Now it's been suggested uh, to me, and I've confirmed this from the NRL that uh, another NRL executive in- instructed that executive to to tape the conversation. Andrew Abdo, who I spoke to last night, was distraught about the whole situation and insisted both to me and he said it also earlier to the ARL commission that he had no knowledge of this whatsoever. Um, Apart from the fact that it's illegal to record people without their knowledge, it also just erodes the tiny little bit of good faith that existed between the RLPA or the players and the NRL. Mm. And I think that's the main thing out of this CBA negotiation, which is basically just going very, moving along at glacial pace. There's no, what's going to be left of the relationship between the NRL and its most important assets, which is the players. And that's, they felt very much duped by the fact that the NRL announced the salary cap increase on the 23rd of December without telling them, um, ahead of the CBA even being done. But this is this is next level sort of um, uh, uh, secrecy to be mm. able to be sitting there and recording um, th- their recording what was said in a, in a private meeting. Why you would record that meeting, I don't know. The suspicion is that it's too, um, you know, so if anything gets leaked out of it, there's there's proof of what was actually said. But again, you can't just be recording, making secret recordings in, in, in meetings between the NRL CEO and the players as it was. Um, it, if, the, if the NRL had any leverage in this discussion uh, over what happened with Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten, you know the, the players want to be genuine partners in the game, and then yep. that happens, and they they've they uh they, we've got three three days of headlines because of what's happened in Canberra. It was all eroded after this story leaked out. The NRL are filthy that think that think it was underhanded. This is this is shows you this shows you where the relationship is between the two parties. The NRL think it's underhanded that the NRL uh, that the RLPA has leaked this story. I can't and I couldn't fathom that. Yes, I'm going. Yeah, but hang on. You guys recorded it secretly. Mm. You're at fault, and uh, it's a bit hard to take the the moral high ground after you after one of your executives has has uh, privately recorded what was said in the meeting. And so according I to be the RL, about it now. According to the RLPA chair, not only admitted to the recording after being pressed twice, but, <laughs> at, but acknowledged that it was inappropriate to do so, and then further acknowledged that it came the directive 
allegedly came from another NRL executive. So I agree with you. This is a much bigger story probably than anything that's come out of the CBA negotiations because it goes back to exactly what you're saying. That little bit of trust that needs to be on the table for two parties to sit together, you can butt heads all you like and you can argue all you like, but if there's no trust at the table, you're starting from so far back, it's it's almost irreparable damage. So, okay, that's the, that's the scenario at the moment. Peter Volandis has promised an investigation. If this happened the way that we're being told that it happened, I would say there are two people at the NRL who are very, very close, if not are going to lose their job probably in the next day or so. 100%. What else happens here? What, what's the next step beyond that? Well, they're meeting now. They're meeting today. We're meeting as, as we speak. But the word I'm getting is that they're so far, they're, they're getting closer in terms of the uh, the NRLW, but in terms of the men, it is a long way off. I think it's been such a draw. I think both parties are to blame for going this long. I think uh, you have the NRL who, as I said, have eroded a lot of faith with the players, who think that because they've thrown a huge amount of money at the players that they're just going to agree to a collective bargaining agreement. That said, I think the RLPA have been very obstinate. I think their chief executive, Clint Newton, has approached this as if the players are Cessnock coal miners and they're not. They're they're professional played footballers with an average wage of over 300,000 a year and a proposed minimum wage of 120,000 a year. Like, I mean, I I remember talking to Clint a couple of weeks ago and and we were talking about the salary cap increase. So it's 22% salary cap increase. He said, well, you know that that, a lot of that money will go to the top end. Big deal. It's professional football. It's not an office. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the reality of it. It's not for everybody. It's a bit hard to talk about an egalitarian uh, setup in in a football club and a salary cap. That's not how it works. And that's how real life works. So I, I think I think Clint's been very noble in trying to protect those younger play those those players at the bottom end. But at the end of the day, they're still paid pretty well, and particularly under this new cap. And it's a very hard argument to put out there in public. And just on the what happened with the secret recording or what may have happened versus the Latrell. And I spoke about this yesterday, Webby. I said, you know what. The, the Latrell Jack White issue, and we'll talk about this in just a sec, is not the biggest thing by far. No. Nowhere near it. Your no. fabric softener is much, much bigger an issue. It is. But when you're sitting down at the table and you're trying to look at anything you can use, the NRL could well have said today or yesterday, seriously, boys, seriously, guys, this is what you're bringing to the table. Well, now the players can sit down and say, seriously, NRL, this is what you're bringing to the That's table. That's exactly what I mean. Either let's call the whole thing off or let's park both of those issues and get the trust back on the table. So the strike possibility. Now, I've had plenty to say about this, and one of the things that I've had to say is that I don't like the idea of a strike. No one does. But that's the one thing that the players have in their back pocket, and they've not threatened it. They've not used it. They've not come out and said that we're prepared to do whatever it takes because we are backing ourselves in this scenario, we're standing up for what we believe in. Sean Lane has come out and said, and he is a delegate, strike probably the last thing, but unfortunately you've seen historically that sometimes these things need to occur and then said, if it gets to that point, we'll be willing to do whatever's necessary. In fairness, Christian Welsh did flag this a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, <clears throat> but that's, uh, and I think about another couple of players have as well, but but not to, as strong as Sean Lane yep. did yesterday. I was talking to a player a couple of weeks ago, a young player, 
I said, you're going to go on, joking. I said, you're going to go on strike? He said, yeah, we'll go on strike if I have to. And I said, you understand you don't get paid? He went, what do you mean? I said, you go on strike, mate. You don't get paid for the period that you're not working. And hey, goes, if anyone knows strikes, it's paper journos. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we pick it very, very passionately. Yes. Usually at a pub. Around yeah. opening hours. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, a really good point. But exa- I, I wonder how many of the uh, of the 800 players at the um, the CBA apparently covers, how many of them actually know you won't get paid? And how long are they prepared to wait out? The, Peter Volandis... As the cliche around him is he prefers a fight over a feed, and I don't think he'll back down. The conversations I've had with Volandis on it, he doesn't seem that um, <clears throat> that enamoured with the idea of, of conceding any more than they already have, mm. particularly with how much money they've given them. I've heard this so many times. I reckon this is the fifth CBA I've gone through in 27 years of covering the game, <clears throat> and you, this strike always gets floated. I think yeah. this is the closest it's ever been to ever happening. But whether they, I mean, it's not that far. The season's not that far away. Twenty-two days. Exactly. What, what are so, we up to? Twenty-two days. I, since... And I've got. I have no confidence in it getting resolved in three weeks. If mm. if the way things are at the moment, and given what's happened in the last twenty-four hours, has happened. But the 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 players have put this on the table. You know, they flag this idea, and, and according to Clint Newton, he's not the one driving the idea of a strike. He's like the players are the ones that are that are driving the idea of of not playing football. We stand united. Yeah. Real quick one then. If there's no CBA within 22 days, does the season go ahead? Yeah. Unless they go on strike. The, yeah. la- the last one wasn't signed. It was just it was just an MOU. So, um, yeah. I, I, I look. I would be surprised if there wasn't some sort of compromise before the start of the season because. We all need each other in this game, Matthew. Webby's back, folks. 0457 736 736 or give us a call, 1300 01 1170. Uh, the Pearl on the text line says, Wednesdays with Webby may roll off the tongue, but I still like Mondays with Mandrew. Remember that <laughs> uh, when we found that out last season. No, 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 you're back. You're back on a Wednesday and we love it there. Now, your story yesterday, your uh, article yesterday in the Sydney Morning Herald, which covered, I think, very, very well the situation between um, Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten did raise a question of massive importance because you've said, like many people, I'm quoting Andrew Webster, like many people, I couldn't care less if Mitchell and Whiten want to play wrestle on the streets of Canberra. I have bigger issues to worry about, like whether I'm getting bang for my buck out of the fabric softener I'm currently using. <sighs> okay, we've got three minutes before the news. Can we break this down? Number one, what type of fabric softener are you currently using? I'm not. Oh, okay. That eliminates number two and number even, three. I wouldn't even know where to put it in the machine. <laughs> I get one of those little pods, throw them in, bang. Yeah. Do you get the pods? Yeah, but I uh, will. Do you wash? Pods. Yes, I wash. What, what do you mean do I wash? Have a sniff around, mate. <laughs> Smells like roses. Uh, okay. Well, that puts an end to that conversation. So we had three minutes at last 15 seconds. No, I well, like the way. Why don't we talk about Jack and Latrell? Well, let me tell you about this because then you go on and you say, but the headlines they've generated in the last couple of days damaged the NRL's reputation. It costs dollars. This episode couldn't have come at a worse time because of the agreement. Players moan about being genuine partners in the game when in reality they all want uh, want all care but no responsibility. Exactly. I'm so sick of this line from players saying they want to be genuine partners in the game. No, they don't. They just want to get paid a stack of money and get paid. And I can't believe Latrell's comments yesterday in uh, in Rotorua before the All-Stars game, saying how 
he thinks, um, you know, he asks, would this story, would this have been a bigger story if it was anyone else but Latrell Mitchell and Jack White? And to me, that just shows you the naivety of some footballers and particularly Latrell. Mate, when you're on a million bucks a year and you're a high-profile footballer, I don't, I, it, you have a higher, um, uh, uh, there's, a, there's more scrutiny than what there is going to be than the slob on the street. Mm. And if you haven't got that by now at the age of 25, I have to ask, who the hell is advising you? I thought Jack White was very contrite about the whole thing because he's brought embarrassment to um, to his club. And as I said, I don't care. If they're playing wrestling around in the yeah. in the, it's not, in the it's street not the and they're full of, full of grog, whatever. But if you get charged by police for resisting arrest and a fray, mate, that's a story. Mm. That can't be ignored. And maybe you have a little bit of contrition for the fact that you were um, got a special clearance from the All-Stars camp to go to Jack's 21st, uh, sorry, 30th, 30th that, you, um, that you've got an injury. Um, and then think of all the people that have had to try and sort this out in the, in the days that followed uh, the, the, the arrest. It's not only a story because what people say, and you know this better than anyone, is that, well, it's only a story because the media blew it up. No, it's a story because it's an issue. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a story because you got charged issue. by the cops. It's an issue and it's a headache <laughs> for the game. Believe me, but they all think that the, the journos love writing about this stuff. I'll give you a tip. They don't. I couldn't care less about those two blokes getting charged. Most journos don't want to write about those blokes getting charged because it's an absolute pain in the butt. You do care so about So you know what? Softener. I'll give you a bit of advice for free. If you can't handle your grog, don't drink it. Full stop. Time for the news. Thank you very much, Vanessa Stew from Cronulla says Webby's fabric softener is definitely working because he is very cuddly. He's a cuddly man. Oh, I am. I can be. Uh, Pedro says that's a great analogy, mate. The Cessnock coal miners um, and the way that you've said that is a good analogy. They're, they're not in that department. They're highly paid professional rugby league players. Now, the future of the All-Stars, Webby. Let's take away the Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten incident because th- there's got to be some questions around this. I spoke to Tony Kemp yesterday who's called it nothing better than a reserve-grade match with all the pullouts. He's cynical of the pullouts as well, whether you need to freshen up or you got bitten by one of your four dogs in <laughs> Nelson Asper Solomona's <laughs> case. But the fact of the matter is you'd rather have it, wouldn't you? Is it more of a scheduling issue than anything else. We've just had a World Cup. Well, this is the thing. So midway through last year, certain clubs pointed out to the NRL, oh, you're scheduling an an All-Stars match for early February. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, what's the problem? They said, well, usually they don't have it the year after a World Cup because players finish late. And under the current collective bargaining agreement, whatever that may be, whether it's signed or not, (laughs) they've got to have six weeks before they of training, before they come back and and play, so this, they've ignored that the NRL, and as a consequence, they've had all these reasons for uh, players not participating in the match on Saturday. I thought when Josh Adokar pulled out, to me that was a, a pretty damning sign because because Fox, as we know, is a very proud Indigenous man, um, and he he loves that match in particular. It would have broken his heart not to play in it. Sure. Did you have any thoughts that he was pulling out in terms of player action? Because As in it, CBA no, style? No, no, no. It was no, just no, got I, a, I, think I, I can't go I the think, season. I think under the under the under the uh, the current agreement he, he had or Canterbury had avenue to stop him from playing. Right. <clears throat> so yeah. I'm not entirely sure whether Fox wanted to play but was told not to by his club. Either way, he's not playing. And I think 
if you look at the teams, Tony Kemp's right. They are basically glorified mm. reserve grade teams. Like imagine if, uh, uh, imagine if the NRL did pull uh, Whiten and Latrell out of it. Oh, then she falls yeah, off a cliff. It falls off a cliff exactly. Yeah. I I'm a real big believer in the All Stars concept and was in the early years of it. Um, you know, I was always a big supporter of Preston and everything that he, Preston Campbell and what he wanted to do. And I remember the first game on the Gold Coast and the NRL were very proactive in um, how much access the media got. It was basically any journal who went up there got whoever they want. And I was lucky enough to shadow the NRL All-Stars team, which was captained by Cameron Smith. Um, but I, I got great access to the room before the game then on the bench at half time and then I watched the second half sitting next to Bennett. Wayne Bennett was the coach yeah. of the of the NRL team in his coach's box. And just to see there's so much love around the game, you know. Yeah. The game it's the game's very ruthless, very cynical. The grind of the NRL season it gets pretty can get pretty uh pretty down and dirty, but there's a lot of positives to come out of that mm. week. And I just think the NRL and the clubs and the coaches need to support it more and foster it more. Um than what they're currently doing because there's been a slow erosion of a slow of decline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and I when I spoke to Kempe yesterday because I've, I've spoken to a few of the players and those involved in it and what you read and see is that this is a culturally important match to those cultures and the cultural importance of it is in some ways now starting to overshadow the match itself. So what's the importance of the actual game of football in the middle of it all? is probably the big question that they've got to answer. And on the scheduling thing about that, somebody asked me yesterday on the text, Webby, uh, you know, do you get excited about the All-Stars match, Matty, as you as you did when it first came out? Back to your point. And once I started thinking about it, I thought, look, I love the All-Stars concept and I understand those that see the importance of the cultural side of it. But it also gets a little bit lost. We've got a pre-season comp starting tomorrow. Yeah. We, we, and in the middle of that, we've got a World Club Challenge. And in the middle of that, we've got points up for grabs and a hundred grand. So where does this sit? This thing. So in my in my scheduling and, head, and then and then a twenty six round season, right? In my and sh- four weeks of finals, <laughs> and then some more test. Matches. Stop it! You give me an ice cream and headache. Some origin. In my scheduling head, I go, okay. If if the All Stars match is of the importance that it is, or you want to make it the importance, then make it the start of the season. Guess what, folks? Footy's back, and this is what we start with. Then we do some sort of preseason. I'm not a scheduler, so I don't know where that fits. So could you fit it? Just take away all the other issues around it, but let's have a look at where you'd fit it date-wise for its um, to make it more important. Would you fit it before as a standout alone before a preseason, or would you now put it into one of the three buy rounds that we've got? No, no, I don't know. I can't really work out what I'm doing today, let alone in the next, what the NRL should do in the next year. Um, I, I liked it where it is. I like it around this time of year, but I just think they need to be uh, – I'm not that big on the – I have to say, though, I'm looking forward to the preseason games this weekend. There's some crackers. Yeah. 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 And there's some cracking lineups and there's too. There's some crack – the, and there's some – they're not at full full strength, but there's – some of them are pretty close. Um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. play it a week earlier. That, maybe played, they maybe played. They should have played it last weekend. That's what I'm thinking. I but mean, the, you're but still the gonna... problem is, is in a World Cup year. That's right. So like, but this is a, this is a different year compared to to most yeah. because of the World Cup. Then the you're World... asking Fox to play even earlier, for instance. Sure. Although then he gets another week recovery, perhaps. This is the you know the balancing game. 
So we got to the end of that. We don't have an answer. Uh, Mitchell Moses. So the guessing game continues on this one. So, look, it's going to go around. It's going to keep going around in circles. Eels or Tigers seems to be the most likely two, perhaps the Bulldogs. What I thought this morning was, is there a left field option? Because every time I hear hear Mitchell Moses and contract talks, I hear either stay at the Eels or go to the West Tigers. That's it. Well, the the dogs were were keen on him for sure, but uh, Phil Gould came out and said no. I thought it was going to be interesting to see if that was ever going to happen because when Phil Gould was at Penrith, he said he'd never work with Isaac Moses, who is uh, who is uh, Mitchell's cousin and manager ever again, yeah. and he'd have to swallow some pride, Gus, and deal. And, and and halfback is the missing piece in the Bulldogs' puzzle from next year, isn't it? I think that's the only thing that they. But the only player he hasn't signed is a so halfback. Would you still put him on that radar? You no, know that no, you no, know no, that I, anything can happen. I, I mean, know just by saying you're not no longer. It's all it's all yeah. brinkmanship. It's all it's all negotiation. You know. But so as I understand it, and I think as the Parramatta understand it, the Tigers' offer is about two hundred k extra, hundred to two hundred k extra a year, which is good coin. Mm. But uh, I know Mitchell has said in the last twenty four hours that premiership premierships mean more than money. And if that's the case, then he would be mad to leave that Parramatta team. He really would. As, as much as there's good things happening at the Tigers and, I, you know, they've got Papa Lee and they've got um, Coruscant, they've got the new coaching dream team of, uh, of Sheens, Marshall and Farrah, I don't think that revolution is going to happen overnight. I think it's going to take some time. And it's still the, there's plenty of doubt about just how that coaching structure is going to work and who's going to be there at the end of this season and, and when does T- Tim leave, all that type of stuff. So uh, if, if you're Mitchell Moses and you want to win a comp, then you stay at the club you're at. If you're Mitchell Moses and you want to take a bit of a punt, a bit of a gamble, you want to play it a little bit differently, do you look at possibly a one-year extension with the Eels? No for instance, and have a look around at who else might need a halfback in 2024, maybe 2025, or you've got to keep going. No, you get a, you want the security of three years, mm. surely, at the at the least. Um, I think the fact that they've signed, they've extended Dylan Brown, that that's, means the world to him. I love Dylan Brown's quote. Does he want to play with Luke Brooks or me? Cop that. Yeah. Brooksy? Yeah. Put that one out there. Uh, have you got a left field option for Mitchell Moses? I'm interested if anyone out there in conspiracy land can come up with a, a left field option. Perhaps a club down the road that might need a full uh, halfback that could that could tempt Mitchell Moses in a 2025, for instance, and maybe he does a short-term deal. Not sure. I tend to agree with you at his age, where he's at. It's very rare too, isn't it, that you're the player left standing as the player in demand. The most in-demand player at the moment happens to be Mitchell Moses. He's not going to get that again, more than likely, in a year's time, for instance. It'll be the next most in-demand player. So if you can if you can find that spot in all the noise of player movement and player management and signings and all that kind of business, then you've got to strike while the iron's hot. Yes. That said, look, I think Mitchell is an gr- unbelievable player, but... I don't have him in my top halfbacks in the game, you know. I don't uh, – but I think it says a lot about the lack of halves that are around that he's a million-dollar player. But the jury's still out on his ability to steer a team to a comp, as, we, as we've as we seen. So if he, if he – They made the if, grand final. I know they did, but they didn't win it. Beaten by a team that I would suggest would be pre- pretty much any team that was coming up against him. I know, but he's, you know, he's only just starting to deliver on – the promise that he showed when he first joined Parramatta. So, um, 
there will always be question marks about his uh, his mm. his uh, premiership winning ability. But at the moment, he's the player most in demand. He's he's the guy at the top of that tree. 26 games last year, 28 try assists, which is first in the NRL, seven tries, 78% he kicked at and scored the second most points in 220. So we'll follow that bouncing ball. Now, Super Bowl 57, dare I bring it up, but Jordan Mylata's um, story there with the Philadelphia Eagles. There's always great stories to come out of Super Bowl and obviously the Australian Connections, the one of them. Um, is this the storyline that we need to be following for Monday? Yes, definitely. Can't wait. <laughs> I think it's an unbelievable story. I, yeah. I've interviewed Jordan many times. I interviewed him in 2018 when he first got uh, drafted to Philadelphia, and he he was he had an ultimatum. He could have taken five thousand dollars and played for North Sydney as in South Sydney's feeder team, or and, and lost weight because he was such a big guy and said he wasn't going to make it. And, and he ended up backing himself in the NFL. And here he is starting at left tackle, one of the most important positions on the field, protecting the quarterback black, the quarterback's blindside um, in a Super Bowl, which they're favoured to win. I mean, it's a pretty good story. Mm. So how, how do you watch Monday? I'm actually going to go a little bit gonzo yeah. and find a, uh, a pub. Oh, you're going, I'm going to fall from there. You're going to fall from the I'm going to fall, from, gonna, the fall from there. and Because this is the thing, though. Someone ex- explained this to me the other day. Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Working at a, from a pub from yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah, for hours. It's, it's, Should be good copy. <laughs> it's not a short one. <laughs> Just make sure when you get outside on the footpath, don't <laughs> don't start a blue. No, I won't. Okay? There'll be no play wrestling. Otherwise, actually, start a blue because then you can refer to yourself in the third person. But, but it is, it is, it's back. become – it's Super Bowl – has become the Melbourne Cup for under twenty fives. It's the day off. It's the day for yeah. daytime drinking. And yeah. when, I, when it's I've covered like the Everest, I've, I've covered through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's a it's a day. It's a Monday morning when I've covered when I've covered Super Bowls in the past. And like the you talk to players, the media access is crazy. And they pick up the accent. And you say you're from from Australia, and they go, "Oh, what, what is there interest in oh. Super Bowl in Australia?" I said, "Mate, Monday's become like a unofficial day off." Public holiday. I, I said, "It's on at ten a.m. in the morning." and and the players are blown away yeah. that there are people in Australia, you know, crowded around uh, TVs in, in pubs, drinking at 10 a.m. in the morning watching Super Bowl. Let alone journos. But, hey, that's where you find hey, them, it's mate. it's work. Great it's to work. have you back, mate. Thank you.